Well, I want to begin this morning by asking you a simple question. Have you been baptized? Um, Because if you haven't been baptized, then my question is, why haven't you taken the plunge? Uh, Baptism, folks, this is one of the falsities that we have in our culture, is that baptism is a, a decision that you make once you get your act together. And it's not about getting your act together. It's about giving your life to Christ and saying, I believe you can do with my life more than what I can do on my own. And so after this celebration, uh, we're going to have a class that I'm going to teach. It'll be at noon uh, until 1.15. And so at 1.15, uh, we'll be done. But lunch is provided. Child care is provided. If you have kids, they'll be taken care of upstairs and they'll be fed. So uh, that's another reason. You don't have to feed them. Uh, don't get baptized for that reason. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. But some of you are like, I'll get baptized. I don't have to feed them today. Uh, but don't do that. But uh, I really want to encourage you that if you haven't, it might be the best gift that you could receive this Christmas is by giving your life to Christ that way. Um, the second thing I'd like you to do is to pull out this little card that was in your program. This is our Christmas series. Um, And one of the things that we want to do is elevate our worship. And it'll be a great opportunity uh, for you to be able to invite friends to come and to uh, celebrate uh, Christmas. And people tell us all the time that during the Christmas season, 60% of all people will come to church if you just ask them. So a neighbor, co-worker, friend, don't throw this away. Actually go do that. I'm inviting all of our neighbors. We're getting cookies and we're going to our neighbors to invite them to come. And so whether it's a coworker, friend, neighbor, that you would do that as well. And uh, we'll see what God does. So you're going to do that, right? Boy, you were not that strong. Uh, we'll hope you'll do better. Uh, but just invite. It's a great way to get people connected. Let's pray. Well, God, uh, I pray that today there would be many people who would choose to follow you. That they would make a decision today to actually make a commitment of saying, I'm ready to be baptized, to take the plunge, to make that commitment. For some people who are here, they've been putting it off because they don't think they're good enough. And folks, the reality is God says none of us are good enough. But it's through that act that we make a commitment. We say you're a good God and I know you can change my life and make it new. So God, I pray that you would move in people's hearts in that way. I also ask right now, God, that you would send your power in this place. Your spirit has been so full this morning and we want to hear from you. Would you talk to us, God, about how we can lift our hands up to you? Transform my words, God, because they mean nothing. But I know that through my words that they can mean everything through your power and through your Holy Spirit. Would you speak to your people today? I pray this so that your name would be made great. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to uh, date myself a little bit, but I grew up with a black and white television, okay? Black and white TV, and we only got four channels, 4, 6, 8, and 13. Now, channel 4 was a channel that often showed reruns from previous uh, shows. And one of my favorite shows was this one right here. Anybody remember I Dream of Jeannie? Yeah. Now, if you're 20-something or 30-something, Google it, okay? And you can find it out. Now, I don't know if I was so excited about the sitcom or Barbara Eden because she was a hottie. And when you're a teenage boy, Barbara Eden did things for you that should not happen to every teenage boy. Come back next week. It'll get better, I promise (laughs) I'm bad, I'm bad. Anyways, this whole storyline 
of I Dream of Jeannie was there was this astronaut, and when the astronaut was on a beach, he found this particular bottle, and he rubbed on the bottle, and poof, a genie showed up and does everything for him, and the whole sitcom is about this genie taking care of him. Now, here's my thought. I'm guilty all the time of making God a genie. That if I just rub the bottle, that poof, God will come out and he will serve me in any way I want. He'll just go, poof, let me grant you your three wishes. Whatever you wish, I will provide for you. And we often reduce God to a cosmic Coke machine where we put the money in, we push the button, we say whatever prayer we need to say, we read the Bible, we do our devotion, we take a picture of our Bible and our coffee cup, and we post it on Facebook or Instagram to let everybody know that we're spiritual. And we do nice things for other people. And when someone cuts us off on McGalliard, we don't flip them the bird. And, you know, after all of that, then God goes, well, I'm going to make your life better. Folks, the reality is that we do not exist for God, but God exists for us. He does not exist for us. We exist for him. In the Christmas story, a group of wise guys understand this very reality. They're called the wise men. They're very intelligent astronomers. And they come to this very brutal king, a guy by the name of King Herod. And when they come to him, they ask him this question. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and what? What's it say? Folks, why are we here? Yeah, let's all say it out loud together. One voice. We have come to worship him. You know what I love about this verse? Is the wise men understood that... You come to God not to get something from God, but I come to God to give something to God. They gave their worship. And throughout this Christmas season, it's my desire that we might elevate our worship. And throughout this Christmas season, I hope that we will realize that we were created to worship God. We were created to glorify God. We were created to honor God. We were created to let Him be known. You know, as your pastor, one of the things is, you guys are doing a lot of stuff that is really good. And we've seen growth, and we've seen God move, and we've seen lives change. But there's one area, folks, that I think we could improve upon. And that one area is how we worship. That we don't just limit worship to Sunday morning, but that we become worshipers seven days a week. Because worship isn't something that we do. Worship is something that we are. We were born to be worshipers. Worship isn't a style. You saw that this morning. Many of you didn't even connect. You didn't know the language, but there was something within your spirit because it's not about a style of worship. There are millions of people that are worshiping God in multiple different ways this morning through Jesus Christ. And yet through all of that, there's something within us that it's not a style But it's a lifestyle. You and I were created to worship God from the depths of our hearts. 
So throughout this Christmas season, what we're going to do is look at four different postures of worship. And this morning, what I want to talk about is how we lift our hands in worship to God. Now, some of you, if you didn't grow up in a church and you came here for the first time, or if this whole church thing is just new to you, and you saw people lifting their hands like this or like this, and you walked in, you felt kind of awkward. I get it. I understand it. And it does feel awkward. It feels awkward kind of like when you're watching somebody make out. I mean, you know it's real, but you just don't think you should be watching it. Like you see it happening and you're But you just don't know if you should be watching. People are doing something and you're like, I I can tell it's real for them. I, I can tell it's sincere for them as they raise their hand to God. But it feels awkward to watch. And so what I want to do today is look at Scripture to teach us how we lift our hands to God. And what does it exactly accomplish when we do? Again, for some of you who are new to this whole church thing or this whole God thing, you're like, I'm just here, you know, maybe for the first time. There are different ways that people use their hands to worship. And I thought I would just show you some of the ways that I've seen them work. One that's common is they take their hands. This is what I call pocket worship. They put their hands in their pocket and they're like, I'll look at the screen. Okay, that's pocket worship. There's another worship called carrying the TV worship. You're carrying the TV like this. Oh, Lord. And then if you have a big screen TV, you go out a little bit farther. You know, you're, you're like that. You know, that's kind of big screen worship. And then there are some people that have, I caught a big fish worship, you know, like, oh, I caught a big fish. Then some of you know Jesus' number one worship. You know, I, I find myself doing that sometimes like, ugh. And some of you are, you know, what I call high-five Jesus worship. You know, they're like like into it, you know, that way. And uh, there, there's another one that I've seen before that is what I call beauty queen, beauty queen or pageant worship. It kind of goes like this. It might be called washing the windows worship. You know, I don't know. And then uh, there is another one uh, that I see sometimes of single females. They go like this. They're like, I'm single. I'm available. I love Jesus. We can love Jesus together. But people use their hands, folks, in different ways when it comes to to worship. Now, on a more serious note, what I want us to do is I want to look at Scripture and answer this question. Why lift your hands up to God? Why? And we're going to answer that question by looking at some biblical examples uh, that are in Scripture. The first reason why to lift your hands up to God is this, because God loves when we do. God loves when we do this. In Psalm 63, David, who was uh, the greatest king of the Old Testament, was in the wilderness, and he was at a very, very low point in his life. And in verse 1, David is so low that he just kind of cries out to God. And maybe some of you this morning, you're at a low point in your life, and you're just crying out to God like David, and this is what he said. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I wonder right now how many of you might have that feeling. That you feel like you're at a dry, desolate place. You feel like you've been rejected. You feel like you've been pushed aside. You feel afraid because you're not sure what the next step is. 
You look at your life and you go, I didn't think my life was going to turn out like this. Or I didn't think I would be where I'm at right now at this point in my life. I'm going through the holidays and everyone says that you're supposed to be happy. And I see some people that are around and they're happy, but I'm not very happy. I'm not very happy at all. You know, the interesting thing about holidays, and in particular the Christmas season, is that it often becomes a magnifier of life. If you're happy, you're really, really, really happy. But if you're going through a hard time, it feels really, really, really hard. That's why tomorrow night at 6.30... We are offering something called surviving the holidays. The reality is some of you are going to experience this Christmas for the first time without a loved one in your life. You've gone through a loss. You've gone through a struggle. And in the midst of that struggle, in the midst of that pain, why go through it alone? We have a group of people that can let you know that you're not alone, that they're there with you, that they're there to strengthen you. And 6.30 tomorrow night, surviving the holidays. And some of you, you know the greatest thing you could do for some of your friends? Who you know just feel so lost because of the death of a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister. You could say, hey, you know what? Don't go through this alone. Let's go to this thing together. And you could do that. So here's David. He's crying out to God. God, I need you. God, I want you. I long for you. There's nothing on this world that satisfies me. I desperately need you. And then in verse 2, he says this. I've seen you in the sanctuary, and I've beheld your glory, or your power and your glory. And then I love this in verse 3. It says, because your love is better than life. Think about that. The love of God that he sends out into each one of you, it is better than life itself. Because his love never ends. His love never fails. His love never falls. His, never wa- his love never walks away. Even when you walk away, his love never does. Your time on this earth, folks, will end. But God's love will never end for you. Your love is better than living, he says. Therefore, because of that, look what he says next. He says, my lips will glorify you. He says, I can't stop it. Because your love is so good to me. You're such a good God that even though in my life right now things aren't going right and the circumstances aren't great and I'm in this wilderness and I feel dry and I feel parched and my friends have left me and I'm by myself, even in the midst of that, I'm praising you, God, because you're a good, good, good God. In verse 4, he says this, I will praise you as long as I live. Remember, folks, he's in a bad place. He's at a bad place in his life. And then watch. He says this. In your name, what will he do? What's he say? He says, I lift up my hands. What will I do? I will lift up my hands. In your name, I will lift up my hands. In your name, because of you, I will lift up my hands. I will praise and glorify you, even though the circumstances of my life are not the way that I thought it would turn out. This is an act of worship. Now, I grew up in a denomination that I love, and a denomination is basically a large group that has multiple churches all over the U.S., And the denomination that I grew up, no one ever lifted up their hand. I mean, the only time a person lifted up their hand was if you had to go to the restroom. You just raise your hand. You're like, may I go to the restroom? They'd go, yes, you may. Okay? And that was it. Or maybe you'd raise your hand uh, because you had a question. I remember one time uh, the church my dad pastored, they were uh, adding on a new fellowship hall. And they uh, were voting on red carpet or blue carpet. And I remember all of the people were raising their hands. It was like this charismatic movement came through the church. Um, They were just voting on red or blue carpet. That was it. And they raised their hand. And for me, folks, it just just wasn't a part of the way I grew up. I I didn't know that kind of form of worship. And then when I was uh, 24 years of age, I went to a men's spiritual retreat weekend. And for the first time in my life, 
I understood what God's grace was all about. Because my whole life, I thought I had to work hard to earn his grace. I thought I had to do something to earn his grace. I thought if I worked harder, I flew straighter, that somehow that's the way that God would actually choose me. That I had to perform, and if I just performed so much that then God would accept me, he would call me his own. But it was on that weekend that I learned what grace is, and this is what grace is, folks. Grace says this. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. There's nothing. His love is constantly pouring to us if we simply choose to turn to it. And I realized in that moment that God loved me. He accepted me. He chose me, not because I had to perform, not because I had to do something, but because I was his treasured child. And I remember during that weekend, one of the exercises, they gave us a piece of paper and we wrote down any of the sins in our life that we think God could never forgive. And there were some things from college that I thought God would never forgive me for. And I remember writing those down. And they took us to a chapel and there was this big cross and we went up to that cross and we nailed those sins to that cross. And I remember going back in the chapel and sitting on this pew and they had us stand up for a song. And for the first time in my life, I remember I just lifted my hands up to God in worship and I didn't care because God had done something for me that I couldn't have done for myself. He said, I forgive you all of all of your sin, that you are loved. You're my treasured son. And nothing from your past, Chris, will ever keep me from loving you. And it was so natural in that moment. I remember uh, just lifting my hands up. It, It was almost supernatural for me. You see, folks, this is the thing that I've learned. That when you experience the grace of God, you have to express your gratitude back to God in some form or function. When you truly understand what He's done for us, when you truly understand who He is, you want to express worship to Him. And that's what happened to me in that very moment. And God loves when we worship with lifted hands. The second thing of why we lift our hands is it shows that we are reaching out to God. It shows that we are reaching out to God. You know, as a dad, if I'm really, really honest, the one time of parenting that I did not enjoy, the least that I enjoyed, was when they were babies. Now, women, don't storm the stage right now, okay? But for me, I was just like, they can't do anything. I mean, you're always doing for them. If they wake up in the middle of the night, you have to be there. If they have to eat, you have to feed them. If they do something in their diaper, you have to change that. I mean, it just never stopped. Now, my wife, Jennifer, when it comes to babies, she's in a totally another world. I mean, if she smells the baby, she's like immediately running. What do you need? How can I help you? Is there anything I can do? When I smell a baby, I walk the other way. You know, I mean, I'm like, I'm done. So for me, when my two girls were babies, it was not my preferred moment of parenting. But the moment that I got most excited was when they went from a baby to a toddler and they could roll a ball or they would say, Dada. And I'll never forget the very first time that Jordan walked. She went to a coffee table and she stood up and she had the Frankenstein walk. Anyone know what that looks like? So they kind of pull themselves up And then they go, 
And she walked towards me like that. And then she lifted up her hands and she goes, Dada. And when she did that, my heart was mush. That kid could have asked for anything in that moment. I'm glad she couldn't talk. But if she could, she would have got anything that she wanted. Because there's something that when she lifted up her hands, my heart reached down to her and I picked her up. And I was her dada. And she was my prized daughter. You know, I think of that image and I think about our Heavenly Father. And what earthly father would ever reject a child that came and said, Dada, with lifted hands? And what our heavenly father would never do, that when we come to him with hands that are lifted to him, he reaches down from heaven with his heart, and there's a connection that's made. How do we know this? Scripture is very clear. James 4.8 says this, Draw near to God, and what will he do? Yeah. You draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Last week, our uh, family, uh, I didn't teach. Chuck taught, and he did a great job. But uh, I didn't teach, and so as a family, we decided we were going to have family church. We go to church a lot, folks, okay? And so we had family church that morning. And Shiloh got up, and she decided that she was going to be the worship leader. So, Derek, you're in trouble, dude. You're in trouble. And so Derek was, or uh, Shiloh's the worship leader, and uh, Jordan was the sound person. And then Jennifer, uh, my wife, said a prayer. And then I asked him, I said, pick out any script or any book of the Bible, and we'll have a teaching, kind of a discussion on that. They chose Titus. Titus chapter 3, verse 1, talks about honoring your government officials no matter what. (laughs) And so I'm trying to help them, and, you know, we're all like, hey, it doesn't matter. Whoever is, you know, God is placed. God is in control. He's the king no matter what. And whoever he's placed in front, we're going to honor that person, whoever that is. And so we had that. And then my daughter, Jordan, said, I think we should have communion. And so they brought goldfish. We had cheesy goldfish and water. And that was it. And at the end of our church celebration as a family, uh, Shiloh had a closing song. And while she was singing the song, she was kind of dancing around. And I looked at my family worshiping God and I lifted my hands up to God in that moment just thanking him and praising him for all that he's blessed me with for who he is what he is and for my family and all of a sudden I started noticing Shiloh as she was singing and dancing she just started lifting her hands up and it was a beautiful image of worship Now, let me talk to all the men and the dads in this place right now. Lifting your hands up to God is not just a chick thing. Lifting your hands up to God is a man thing. And you should never, if you're a father, let your children out-worship you. If you want your kids to live a lifestyle of worship to God then you need to model that. And for some of you, some of you are coming to church, that's great, but you need a next step. And maybe for some of you, your next step is this Wednesday for our men's small group. That you say, you know what? I need to grow in my relationship. I want to grow as a father. I want to grow as a person. I'm going to this group. It's at 6 o'clock Wednesday at the church. And that could be your next step. The reality is, folks, that at the end of our celebration today, I'm going to challenge you, even the men, to raise your hands in worship to God. 
And I wanted to tell all of you now so you weren't shocked by it when I asked it at the end. And I didn't want you men to chicken out. Because some of you are programmed like this. That isn't bad. But you don't have to do that all the time to the God of the universe. Plus, I've been with some of you guys to football games, basketball games, um, MMA matches. Uh, I've been to uh, tractor poles. And when you see these kind of things, you know, you have like your hands lifted up. You're like, yeah, sack him, kill him, do it. And now you've got the God of the universe who created you, who gave you very life, who has given you new life if you turned into a relationship with Christ. You'll offer a hand to an athlete, but not to the God of the universe. Now, why would God ask us to lift our hands? Again, because... He delights in that. He loves when we do that. He loves when we reach out, when we reach up to him. And next, it's an offering of praise. It's an offering of praise. Why lift our hands? Because it's an offering of praise. Just like you might put money in the offering bag as it goes by, when you lift your hand to God in praise and worship, that's an act of of offering as well. You're giving an offering of praise. Now, some of you I know are thinking right now, well, I'd rather lift my hands up than to put any money in that bag. Right? Okay, that's another one. We'll talk about that next week. But anyway, an offering of praise. Psalm 141, David again, he's at a very low point in his life, a wilderness experience, and this is what he says. Oh, Lord, I am calling to you. Please hurry. Listen when I cry to you for help. Accept my offering as incense offered to you and my what? Upraised hands as an evening offering. Some of you today, it'll be the very first time in your life that you've ever given God a praise offering with your hand. And it might feel awkward. You might feel uncomfortable and it might get you out of your spiritual comfort zone. But just listen up and say, God, I'm offering this praise to you. I'm offering it to you. And maybe some of you, honestly, you're here today and you're like, I don't feel like praising God. You have no idea, Bunch, what my week's been like. You have no idea what's going on in our marriage. You have no idea what's going on in our family. And that's what was so cool about David. Even though the circumstances were bad, he said, I will still offer an offering of praise to you. We lift our hands because he loves it. We lift our hands because it shows we're reaching out to him. We lift our hands because it's an offering of praise. And then lastly, we lift our hands to God because we're declaring a battle. We're declaring a battle and we need God's help. Some of you right now, you're in a battle. It might be with your finances, might be with a relationship, might be with emotions that you're dealing with, but you're in a dark place right now. And if things don't change, you're like, if things don't change, I just don't know how I can do it anymore. And what you need to do is to raise your hands to God and say, God, I'm declaring this battle. I can't do this on my own. I'm declaring a battle that I need your help, God. I need you to step in. If you don't step in, God, nothing will ever change. I've tried on my own. It's not working. I need you. Maybe the best example that I've ever seen of this is in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, in Exodus chapter 17, where this group called the Amalekites were pressing in on God's people, the Israelites, and they're winning this battle. And Moses comes to Joshua, and he says, Joshua, choose some men. We're going down to the battle. They've declared war against us, and we're not just going to stand there. We're pushing back. And Moses says, tomorrow, I'm going to go to the top of that mountain, and I'm going to stand there with lifted hands up to God, and I'm going to pray to God that we would win the battle. 
And here's what scripture says in Exodus 17, verse 10. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses did what? What's it say? As long as he held his hands, the Israelites were what? But whenever he did what? Lowered his hands, what happened? The Amalekites were winning. So check this out. What do we have? We have winning, losing. Winning, losing. Tying. That wasn't in Scripture, okay? I just see if you're awake. Tying. When the arms were lifted up, lifting up to a sovereign God, God's people were winning. But when they were no longer able to do that, to acknowledge God's power, God's people started losing. In reality, some of you right now, you're in a battle. No one knows it, but you know it. Maybe it's a health battle. Maybe it's a financial battle, a relationship battle. And it might be time for you to simply say, God, I'm declaring battle. I need your help. I can't do this on my own. And you lift your hands up to him and ask him to step in for you. In spite of what I see, in spite of what I feel, in spite of what's going on, I continue to praise you. I think of a person in our community who was diagnosed, diagnosed with stage 4 cancer several months ago. And she just kept praying and other people started praying. And she kept worshiping God. She said, I believe God's going to do that. And two weeks ago, they did a CAT scan. They found no cancer whatsoever. That's all to God. All to God. Now, I realize that some of you are saying, I'm going through this right now and I don't know. No matter the circumstances, we cry out for battle. God, would you come and do something that's larger than what I can do on my own? I lift my hands up to God. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that no weapon formed against you can prosper. Why? Because God is for you. God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never walk away until your last breath. He says, I will be with you. And even when your last breath comes, he says, I'll be with you to the next life. Because your time here on earth, folks, is like one grain of sand. All the other grains of sand in the world, folks, is what we're going to spend in eternity. This is not the end. It's only the beginning. Now what's interesting to me is that in verse 12, whenever Moses' hands grew tired, because you can't lift your hands like this all the time. I tried to be real worshipful one time. I was at a retreat. I'm like, I'm going to see how long I can lift my hands up to God. I love God. I'm just going to lift my hands up. You know how long I lasted? 15 minutes. 15 minutes. That was it. They started going down. Look at what it says in verse 12. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and her, his two friends, did what? What's it say? Yeah, they held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with a sword. At this time, I'm going to ask uh, Chuck and Abby uh, to come up here for a second. This is Chuck Mock and Abby Guthrie, who are two of our elders. Uh, let's give them a hand. And our other elder is uh, Tom Truesdale, but I didn't want Tom to have to be the rock in this situation, so uh, we didn't do that. But uh, the reason why I'm asking these two people to come up is because they've held up my arms for over 12 years. When we first started, yeah. Now, part of the reason they have to do that is because there's not much muscle in these arms. Okay? So they have to do that a lot. But they've held my arms up when other people walked away. 
And I just want to give you a demonstration that when my arms get tired and I get worn out, that it's been these two people have stood beside me to help me through that. When I felt like I couldn't go on, I was ready to throw in the towel. They lifted up my arms. When I couldn't see the future and I didn't want to pray about it and I just wanted to give up and get into a hole by myself, they said, no, 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 we'll lift up your arms. When I had a vision for some things that other people said it will never work, it will never happen, they said, we want the best for you. We want the best for God. We believe that God can do that. And they lifted up my arms. And they've been doing that. Daily, in prayer and other ways, for over 12 years. Guys, thank you so much for serving me in that way. (laughs) Folks, that's why we come to church on Sunday and we worship together. It is a corporate thing. Because when we come together, there are times in which we just need some other people around us who can... Help lift up our own hands. When we can't do it, we need an Aaron. We need a her. That's why getting in groups and those things are important because you can't do it on your own. It's great to worship by yourself, but you need other people to worship God in the way that he desires. You know, throughout history, there's been two ways that God has, uh, or history has shown us two ways that we lift up hands. One way we lift up hands is in victory. If we win something or our team wins something, we lift up our hands and we're like, yes! We're like, sack that quarterback! You know, you're like, block that shot! We lift our hands up in victory. Also, when someone pulls a gun on you, what do you do? Surrender. All right, some of you might not, but if you don't have another gun, you might. You surrender. This is the thing, folks. When we surrender our life to God with lifted hands, He gives us victory. You see, surrender and victory work simultaneously. When we lift our hands up to God, He gives us victory. And so this is what we're going to do. The band's going to close us with a song. And I want to encourage you to sing that song. Some of you might be there and you're like, I don't sing. I'm not even a Christian. I don't care what you believe. I don't care if you don't like to sing. I want you to sing. Now, why do I want you to sing? Because some of you sing all the time in your car and you sing badly but when you're by yourself you sing you you're belting it out you have no problem you don't even believe the words that you're singing but you just sing them i mean jt you know justin timberlake he has that song right can't stop feeling so just dance 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 and you're in your car and you're like singing that song and you don't even believe the words but you sing it And now we have an opportunity to sing to the God of the universe, to let him know how grateful and thankful we are for what he's done in our life, who he is, that even though the circumstances aren't great right now, that God can move in our life. And we want to thank him and we lift up hands. And so we're going to invite you to stand right now. And I don't want you to do anything that you don't feel comfortable with, but at the same point, I'm challenging you that if God calls you for lifted hands, that you would do that. And we're going to turn off the light so that none of you have to feel self-conscious. This is just between you and God. But that you take a moment that maybe for the first time in your life, you've never done this before, but for the first time in your life, you're just like, God, I... I do worship you. And this is our act of worship.
invite our uh, prayer team to come up. And uh, yeah. And if you'd like prayer for anything, these folks would love to pray with you. Going through something, hey, they're here for you. They'd love to pray with you. And uh, if today's the day where you're like, hey, I want to accept Christ, um, they'd love to pray with you with that as well. So uh, let me just close this in prayer. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you so much for today. You are such a good, good God. And today, God, I thank you for people who maybe have never lifted their hands up to you as an offering. God, we pray that in these moments that you would do a work in our heart to help us from not just worshiping occasionally, but that we would be worshipers in our hearts. You know, today, regardless of where you're at on the spiritual spectrum, I want to just ask you a question. And I'd like you to lift your hand if you're like, yeah, I want to do this. That if you want to say today, you know what? I want to worship God this Christmas like I never have before. That Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when I come to church on Sunday, I want to worship God. If you would just lift your hand for a moment, say, God, I want to worship you in a new way, in a way that I have not, God. I just want to give my life to you. Father, thank you for a church with hands that are lifted towards you. Because as we reach up to heaven, God, you reach down in love to us. Your scripture says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And may you be pleased with the worship of your church. God, I pray specifically for those who are worshiping right now and they're going through a battle. God, that's the hardest time to worship you. There are people here today, God, that relationships are broken. Marriages are just barely hanging on. And it's hard, God, to worship you and to declare a battle in the midst of that. And so I pray, God, that you would be with people. Health issues, financial issues, family, friends that are struggling with things, God, would you just bless them right now? with your presence. Give them strength, God. And as we surrender our hearts to you, we lift our hands up as an act of worship, as an offering, as a praise, as a battle cry. Be pleased, O God, as we draw near to you, that you would draw near to us and help us to elevate our worship this Christmas. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, uh, baptism right after this. If you've never been baptized, right into the uh, Jar Cafe. Otherwise, have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place.